Tuesday morning. Uh, Tuesday morning, your phone rings. You get your phone out, and it says unknown number. You, instead of just ignoring it, you, you pick it up, you answer it. It's King Charles III. Now all the funeral stuff's over. I've, I've suddenly realized I'm the king, and I've got to do some leading of this country. So I thought I'd phone you up to ask for your advice. You're kind of going, why have you come to me? But just imagine that happens. And you've got a few moments to come up with the best advice on leadership and being a leader that you can come up with. So I want you to just turn, maybe the people around you, threes, fours, fives. If you had to give one piece of advice about being a leader, about what leading's all about, about leadership, what bit of advice would you give? Go. Best bit of advice on leadership you could give would it be? Okay, so best bit of uh, wisdom, best bit of advice on leading and leadership that you could give. Anyone want to share that kind of nugget of wisdom they came up with in their group? Tell the, tell the truth. Be honest. Yeah, yeah. Anything else anyone came up with? Ali said, Ali said a verse. No. One mouth. Listen more than you speak. Nice. Nice. Anything from anyone else? Yeah. Having integrity. Yeah. So integrity is kind of when the, the, the life on the outside matches the life on the inside. The public life matches the private life. You know, yeah. What you see is trustworthy. Anything else? Barry, what were you going to say? Honest, honesty. Honesty, something really valued. Anything else from anyone? Compassion, mercy. Okay, see, yeah, Brian. Yes, best advice we've been given be what we give. Love God, love neighbor. It's a summary of the law and the prophets, yes. So between us, we're probably not short of wisdom about leadership in the room. Um, if you go to a bookshop, there's whole sections about leadership. There's book after book after book. There's podcast after podcast after podcast. There's TED Talk after TED Talk after TED Talk. There's inspirational quote after inspirational quotes uh, on leadership. But this term, uh, at the evening service, I want us to take a look at Paul's second letter to Timothy. Um, over the summer, we covered lots of different things. Uh, before that, we were in Luke's gospel. Uh, and so in some ways, it's just nice to go somewhere else in the Bible. But actually, more importantly, I want to go to 2 Timothy because it's been described as the Bible's school, Bible's own school of leadership, its own leadership training school. In the life of St. Luke's, as there is in, in every church life, uh, a need to be growing leaders raising up new leaders, equipping and encouraging existing leaders, both to serve in the life of the church, but also in the, in the world around us. So we're going to dip into to T. Timothy, because it's the Bible school of leadership. In four short chapters, uh, we have Paul coming to the end of his leadership, giving advice and his wisdom to younger Timothy, if you like, who's stepping into Paul's shoes. So Paul's encouraging and equipping Timothy to be bold and strong and solid and all about Jesus in his leadership. 
And so we hear, uh, for example, in, in the start of chapter 4, we hear Paul say, uh, and you kind of feel the, the weight of these words, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. What that charge is, we'll find out in a few weeks' time. But you feel the weight of it. And 2 Timothy is more than just a, a few inspirational quotes lumped together. It's more than just advice. This is Paul, an apostle of Jesus. But what we have here is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's God voice, God's voice for us to hear through Paul's words to Timothy as he prepares him for leadership. Again, in the groups you were in a moment ago, question, what would you say the hardest sport in the world to compete in is? What would you go for? What would you suggest? Sailing. Sailing, why? Okay, you depend on the wind. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sailing, anyone want to say something harder than sailing? Boxing, because? You might die. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you might, yeah. Come up with a funny shaped nose. Okay. Anyone want to raise the bar on boxing? What do you come up with? Golf. Why? Why golf? That's going for a walk, isn't it? Steady art, yeah, cool head and aim things and, yeah, okay. Any other, anyone want to add to the list? Synchronized swimming. Yeah, okay, that's pretty hard. That's pretty hard. Swimming in general is quite hard, I find. Uphill skiing is, yeah, that's definitely the cross-country skiing is harder. Downhill, you just sort of get two bits of wood on your feet and just use gravity. That's easy, right? Okay, here's my theory. Hardest sport in the world to compete in, running relay race. Because... I've thought this out, I've thought this out. Because every time there's like an Olympics or World Championship or Commonwealth Games uh, in the heats or the finals, some team always gets disqualified. Because they drop the baton, they fail to hand over the baton at the right point, they trip over, they go into it was a 4 by 400 women's and Commonwealth, the English team, we won the gold and then we realised that we'd run in the wrong lane. So I, th I think a relay race, a running relay race, is the hardest sport in the world to compete. And the image of the running relay race is often used of to Timothy because it's as if Paul is handing the baton on to Timothy of leadership. And I want us to just hold on to that picture of the running race, of, of the, the being passed the baton, of running with the baton, or maybe passing it on. Almost all of us, if not all of us, are involved with some kind of leading of people. And we do it in a whole massive variety of ways. Some of us might have recognized positions of leadership in the workplace or in an organization or a sports team in a community group in the life of a church. For others of you, maybe it's your leadership is, is emerging as you step into your settings that God's led you into, as you recognize the skills, the talents, and the gifts that the Spirit has given to you. And almost all of us, there are areas of life where, and where we have an influence on other people, even if it's in a really small way, even if we don't really notice it. I want you to think for a moment, where is your leadership? Where are the places that you have an impact or influence on people? What does it look like? And as you do that, I'm going to give you your baton. And I tried to be really clever earlier and sort of roll these up into a baton shape and it totally didn't work. I also managed to get these posted to Nottingham rather than to Leicester, which was really stupid. 
um, because the company had the wrong address, even though I told them, but it wasn't my fault. Um, but what this is, is a scripture journal. So it's just a bit of the Bible printed uh, with space to make notes and to write and to doodle. Uh, and it's got one and two Timothy and Titus, so you know, three books for the price of one. Uh, and I want to give it to you as uh, kind of as a baton, as something that to shape your leadership, whatever that looks like, as we go through to Timothy. Well, Brian's going to pray for us, and then he's going to come and read the Bible to us. Brilliant. Thank you. Dear Lord, thank you, thank you for giving us the, the opportunity to uh, study to, to Timothy. We hope that you will give us uh, your wisdom and your, uh, your insight to, to best understand your word. Amen. Oh man. And what I mean from there, why don't you read for us? So we're we're in two Timothy. Uh, we're going to be reading the first five verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and, I am persuaded, now lives in you also. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Brian. And I guess, I guess most of us kind of know how the letters in the New Testament, particularly those written by Paul, begin. We kind of know that within the opening verses, he'll use the words grace, mercy, and peace. Uh, and then after that, there will be, I thank God for you because da-da-da-da-da. And what we tend to do is when we read it is we, we skip over it, we skim over it, uh, because it just feels like Paul clearing his throat and we want to get we want to get to the important bit uh, where where the kind of stuff that feels really applicable to us um, comes but actually I want us to just to zoom in on these opening verses it's, it's so much more than Paul clearing his throat first of all we're reminded aren't we that Paul what Paul has to say is worth listening to because it says Paul an apostle an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promises of life that's in Christ Jesus what Paul has to say is worth listening to. This, this, is, this is from an apostle of Jesus Christ, from an eyewitness of Jesus, particularly set apart. This is important. It, it's a reminder also that as we lead others, as we have an impact and an influence on others, we do it first as followers. We do it as first as followers of Jesus Christ because he is the one, we're told, with the promise of life. If we want to be leaders in life, if you want to lead, you first of all have to follow. And we're going to come back to that in the coming weeks, what that looks like, leader, being leaders who first follow. But the lesson of leadership that I think we get in 2 Timothy, right at the start, is that Jesus-shaped leaders share their lives with others. Jesus-shaped leaders share their lives with others. Just look, verse 2, how Paul writes to Timothy. How he describes him to Timothy, my dear son. There's a depth of relationship there, isn't there? It's like Paul really was a father figure 
to Timothy. I think this is more than just words. I think the background to Timothy is it's very likely he became a, a Christian. He became a follower of Jesus through Paul. Paul discipled Timothy. Paul trained Timothy and invited him to join in the work of sharing Jesus and planting churches around the Mediterranean. But also, like a parent, Paul saw Timothy at his most vulnerable, as he really was, his highs, his lows, what motivated, what discouraged him, his weaknesses, his failings. I've got a friend um, called David. He... um, it was really nice. I actually caught up with him yesterday. I had a coffee with him. Uh, lives in a different city, and he's um, 10, 15 years older than me. He used to be my boss. Um, but in our three years working alongside each other and, and doing building projects and things together, we became really close. And, and I would say there are times where he has been like an extra father figure to me. And other times where it's felt like we've been brothers, but he's you know, the older brother. And it's just something of that that I think we hear in how Timothy, uh, in Timothy and Paul's relationship. Like Paul and Timothy, like David and me, what made sharing life with each other even deeper is the sharing of Jesus Christ as Lord. It's a reminder to us that when we come together as a church community, we don't come together as a bunch of people who just happen to be in the same place at the same time on a Sunday. But we come together as family. As those who've been brought together by Jesus and bought at a price of his blood, poured out on the cross for our sin. And it's there, 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 there. we're together. But I think Timothy and Paul's relationship, we're seeing this lived out at sort of the deepest level. I'm not expecting everybody's experience of relationship with everybody else in the church to be at this level. But there might be someone. There might be someone you have this experience with. What we see is the leadership lesson that Jesus-shaped leaders share their lives with others. It should definitely be the case if you lead something or are involved with leading something here at St. Luke's. But I think it's also true of wider leadership in the, in the, in the world. We, we lead by sharing our lives with others. Because the one we follow shares his risen life with us. So three practical ways we can live this out that I, get, I think we get from 2 Timothy. First of all, we, we share our lives with others by, by constant prayer. Verse 3, Paul says, I thank God whom I served, who I serve as my ancestor did with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. What we pray about reveals what's important to us. Who we pray about reveals who's important to us. It shows the depth of relationship. So I ask you this evening, who are you praying regularly for? And who's praying for you regularly? In my experience, it's, it's not actually that easy to pray constantly and regularly for, for people I don't see very often. Because seeing them is a reminder that they're there and that they're important and they mean something to me. Seeing them often, I, I, I'm, I find out what's going on in their lives, the kind of person they are, what brings them joy, what discourages them, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses. It becomes much easier to pray for them. I wonder, as you were reflecting about your leadership earlier on, as handing the, the books out, whether places you have an impact or an influence, who's the person or who are the people who God has put in front of you? Maybe this week... Mark out a time each day. Set a reminder on your phone. One person. 
pray for them. We share our lives with others through constant prayer. Second of all, we share our lives with others through genuine affection. Do you see how thankful to God Paul is for Timothy? And we see that they had a trust of each other, that they've wept together. You know, Paul says, I'm recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Paul knows that seeing Timothy, who's seeing the sight of or having time with fills you with joy? And who's the person who feels joy at the thought of meeting up with you? Jesus-shaped leadership takes genuine concern in others that leads to genuine affection. So actually our interactions with people, whether it's in community groups or organizations in the life of the church, in the workplace, it's, it's more than focused on to-do lists, development goals or statistics or meetings or lessons or assessments or supervisions. All these things have their place, but Jesus-shaped leadership is about genuine affection. It's very easy at times, particularly people you lead, to, to keep people at a distance. You put up a guard. You... You kind of do a bit of image management. Got my life sorted. I am completely competent. Ha, ha, ha. Actually, when we are sharing our lives with others with genuine affection, we're, we're willing to, to share and to show our emotions with others. We share the stories of our life. We open ourselves up. We, we do it in an appropriate way. Some situations we can share more. Other situations we don't. We, this is not about creating unhealthy relationships that dishonor God. But it's about choosing to become the biggest encourager of those you lead or you impact or you influence. You celebrate their successes. You pick them up after they fall. You're concerned with their well-being. Jesus-shaped leadership has genuine affection. And we share our lives, thirdly, with others by knowing about their loved ones. Do you see that? Verse 5. Paul knew Timothy's background. He knew all about Lois. He knew all about Eunice, his grandma and his mum. If we're seeking to share life with others, do you know about the people who matter to them most, their loved ones? And what about the people who lead you? Do they know about your loved ones and the people who matter most to you? It's about taking an interest in the people who matter most to the people you have an influence on, an impact on those you lead. I think back to my friend David. I think almost every time we meet up, he always asks me to now leadership in the church and leadership in the wider world. Constant prayer, genuine affection, knowing about loved ones. But I do want to give us a moment now to think even more practically. How do we do this? How do we live this out in our lives? How do we live this out in our life together, particularly as this congregation? Uh, and so I'm going to give a couple of minutes, again in your groups, uh, maybe something that's resonated with you, or something you want to draw out, or an experience that you've had, maybe, maybe a friend, you want to tell the story of your friend like I've told of my friend David, or maybe you've got ideas of, of what it could look like on Tuesday morning, on Thursday afternoon, or next Sunday evening. And I'm going to come around with some post-it notes, uh, and feel free just to jot your thoughts, jot your ideas down, and then there's a board at the back, go and stick them up there, and after a few minutes, I'll just read out what's there and see what particularly strikes us. I'm going to read out some of these. And maybe there's something here that just clicks with you and you're like, yes, actually, that's, that's a thing for me this week. If it is, take it home and act on it. Um, so we've got uh, visiting people, uh, responsive to others, express 
uh, doing, uh, responsive to others express need by doing something practical to help or to pray for them. Uh, sharing food, that's how we share life together. Inviting people into your home. Eating together, as a, as a recurring theme here. Being, being watchful of people. Um, shared experiencing experiences. Love one another by getting to know particular people well and then be there for them. Pray for them. Being inclusive when we do things. Uh, for example, uh, single people. Seeking God's help. Mentoring. Prayer triplets or regular groups to pray in. Genuine practical care. Socialize together. Eat meals. It's coming back, isn't it? And do life together. Listen to people's problems. A listening ear. Food. Sunday lunches. Bring and share. Listening to other people and asking questions. Putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Deepen relationships to share problems. Break down our barriers. Um, So I guess there's a range of things there. Uh, maybe there's one that's particularly struck you. And the temptation with something like this is, is to kind of go, right, as a church, we need to centrally organize a load of things and activities and programs that we're going to do. I'm not going to do that. But it doesn't stop us between us doing some of these things. And it certainly feels like we should be eating together <laughs> from that board. And that might be worth thinking about. How do we, as this congregation, maybe introduce food into what we do, if that's something helpful? Was that an oh of agreement of rejoice, hallelujah? Well, we'll think about it. If you have ideas, or you could help or, or make it happen, that would be great. So two bits of homework for you. I want to make this series in 2 Timothy really practical. So uh, two practical things. The thing that strikes you from this, feel free to come up and have a look later on. What is the one thing you're like, yeah, that's what I need to do? What is it? Live it out. Second thing, take these home probably really obvious when we say, read 2 Timothy in one go, or listen to 2 Timothy in one go. That's, and, and, and just ask yourself as you do, what's the bit of the letter that particularly jumps out and stands out to you? And next week, there'll be an opportunity for anyone who wants to, just to say it was this bit that stood out to me.